Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for this evening. Give it to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these, this, this family that you've gathered around. Lord God, we pray that you are honored in all the worship we give you, from the songs to, to the offering to the listening and, and adherence to your word. Lord, I pray that our lives would be lives of worship. As we go from this place, we would continue to worship you. But we, would, we wouldn't just be doing some kind of duty and, and setting you aside for the rest of the week, but we would walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that lives in us, guides us, and guards us. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you all have, uh, I know I didn't provide notes for you tonight, but do you have paper and pencil? You got, you got to write something down for just one second, okay? Paper and pencil. I want you to make a list right now of three things. Just right off the top of your head, what are the three most important things in your life? Go. Three most important things. One, two, three. I'm sure we all have a lot of very important things in our lives, so it shouldn't take too long to come up with three. That'll come in handy later. Okay. I'm going to show you a couple pictures. It's all about perspective. First one, line A, line B. Which one is longer? If any of you have seen this trick before, you'll know that the center line is the exact same length on both of them. It's just a, a question of perspective because of the angles of the other lines. It, it fools you into thinking that one is longer than the other. Now, this one is really fun. I'll give you a second to take this one in. It all depends on their perspective, doesn't it? That guy's been stranded on the island for so long, he's just thankful to see a boat coming. The other guy's been in boats so long, he's just thankful to find land. Some things are really about how we look at them, aren't they? One of my pet peeve statements in this world that my wife reminded me of this week is, it's all good. Really, is it really all good? Come on now. People say it when something absolutely horrific has happened in their lives. It's all good. My car window gets smashed by a golf ball. It's all good? What do you mean it's all good? My window just got smashed by a golf ball. That's not good. But Paul tells us to look at our lives, our situations, our trials, our tribulations, everything that's going on in our lives through a new pair of lenses. God in Christ gives us a new way of thinking. As Christians, we no longer think the way the world does. We have a completely different way of looking at life and our life situations. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Completely new mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. With this new mind, that we are given, he, he gives us new priorities. He gives us a new perspective, a new way of looking at things. As Christians, we are called to see and live life according to a different reality. Not the reality of this world, but God's reality. In ways, as we prioritize the gospel, as Paul did, as we turn trials into opportunities, as Paul did, in ways, 
it is all good as our perspective changes. Tonight we're going to look at Paul's perspective, we're going to look at Paul's example, and we're going to look at Paul's priorities as he endures the hardships of life. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 12 tonight. I'm going to read through verse 18. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Verse 12 says, And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. The reading of God's word. Thank you very much. Go ahead and be seated. So we find Paul in prison, having done nothing morally, ethically, or even legally wrong in the Roman world, he was held captive with the presence of the Praetorian Guard, that imperial guard here in verse 13. It says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. With their presence and the presence of Caesar's household, we see in chapter 4, verse 22. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household, he says to the Philippians. So wherever Paul is, you've got the imperial guard and you've got Caesar's household. This is probably, this is most likely Paul's Roman imprisonment that took place somewhere around 60 to 62 AD. It's an imprisonment that could have very easily lead to his death. But for Paul, it's all good. As Paul looks at his situation, this, this hardship he is going through that will involve a literal trial, he puts a, a new perspective on display for us to see. Verse 12, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment, has really, in all reality, in truth, it's served to advance the gospel. So that it's become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard, and to all the rest my imprisonment is for Christ. He says, here's what this trial has really done. Imprisonment? Imprisonment simply means to me that I have a captive audience. Who's really in chains here? Is it Paul or his guards? Paul's sitting there, he's saying, I'm not chained to you, you're chained to me. I'm going to give you Everything I know about Jesus Christ while I have you right here and you've got to listen to every word I say. From, from Paul's perspective, with the advancement of the gospel as his number one priority, this is a good place to be. 
This is the best situation he could be in. He wants this. As his imprisonment takes the gospel right into Caesar's household. His imprisonment takes the gospel right to Caesar's personal guard. How close can you get to the emperor of the known world? And Paul has that opportunity right now. The gospel is being taken to the capital of the known world at the time. Getting the gospel into the hearts and minds of the leadership, the household of Caesar, the imperial guard. And, and, and from there, if he can get it into that capital, it'll be disseminated through the rest of the known world. So Paul takes the time and the effort to see how his situation could and does serve the advancement of the gospel. And this kind of a perspective doesn't come naturally to us. This kind of perspective takes time and it takes effort. We have to deny our natural tendencies and prioritize the things of God above and beyond ourselves. We need to set aside the self and, and take up the things of God, serve God. It's a completely different way of looking at life than what we're used to. Even as Christians, we are still being sanctified, and there's things to grow in, there's things to learn, there's things to continue to walk in stronger as we walk with Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And this perspective is one of those difficult things for us to really grab hold of and live out. It takes effort. It takes hard work and focus to make the things of God the real priority in our lives. Not only is, is the gospel served in this through his personal sharing of the gospel with the guards and with the household, but his witness under fire also serves as an, as an example and a witness to believers, doesn't it? He's giving the gospel to non-believers. He's getting the gospel out there, advancing it in that way. And he's serving as an example to the Philippians themselves. As others look at his faithfulness to the truth of Christ in the midst of persecution, and they see in Paul where their faith needs to be. Verse 14. And most of the brothers... Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This hardship has allowed Paul to serve the gospel into the ears of non believers, into their hearts and minds, to plant those seeds of faith, and to set an example for believers to follow. One of confidence, boldness, and fearlessness. And then he goes on to say in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, same book, same letter, Paul is saying to them, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. As they see Paul speaking the word without fear, a confidence grows in them to do the same. 
So Paul takes advantage of this situation. He takes the time and the effort that it takes to make this a, a servant opportunity. Serving the gospel to non-believers, serving the gospel to believers. But while Paul is setting the example and sharing the gospel for the glory of God, others are using the gospel, aren't they? Using the gospel in some unexplained way to get at Paul. Verses 15 to 17. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. For, for some kind of personal gain, some kind of selfish ambition that we don't know exactly what it is, perhaps it's, they're trying to grow their own congregations because Rome's a rather sizable city. There are probably several home churches going on there. Perhaps they were trying to grow their own congregations by taking followers from Paul and aligning them with themselves, causing some kind of division within the church in that way. They, they were teaching the truth of Christ, apparently, because Paul is glad that Christ is being preached. They, they were teaching the truth of Jesus Christ, but their focus was not on the gospel and the things of God, but on their own pride. Some kind of selfish ambition. However, Paul is undaunted by this. It doesn't bother him. Because Paul's priority is not having followers. Paul's priority is not anything of, of this world or any gain that he might have by the preaching of Jesus Christ. His priority is not to win something from this world, but his priority is the advancement of the gospel. Look at verse 12. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's his focus. That's where he has his eyes. Whatever's going on, whatever the hardship is, I'm in prison, yeah, I'm chained up, yeah, and, and I don't have the food I want, I don't have the freedom to go where I want, but the gospel is being advanced, and that's what I really want. Verse 18, people are, are preaching the gospel to his detriment, and he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I rejoice. When Paul can see the advancement of the gospel, he can legitimately rejoice because his purpose, God's purposes in him, is being fulfilled. God has called him to serve the gospel into the Gentiles, and he knows that purpose, that call for his life personally. And he rejoices because he sees that end, he sees that happening. Paul's joy is not feigned or put on. It is real. As he can see his efforts in preaching, teaching, church planting, all of his hard work, that they have borne the fruit as the message of Jesus Christ continues to spread amongst the Gentiles. Paul has a completely different way of looking at this imprisonment, doesn't he? How do we look at our trials? 
when we run into something difficult, a hard time in our lives, how are we looking at those things? What is my worst case scenario right now? What, what is the greatest trial of your life at this time? Is it something at work? Is it something at school? Is it something at home? Is it something at church? Where is your struggle? Perhaps it is that golf ball through the window of your car. Are you willing to look at it through your faith and your walk with Jesus Christ? To, to, he, to see how in the moment when I find the golf ball in the window of my car... To see how in that moment I can be a witness of calm and assurance. While others are watching and waiting to see a worldly response, I have an opportunity to not give them that, but to give them a calm assurance in Jesus Christ. It isn't as big of a deal as it seems, because right now in this moment, I have the opportunity to be Christ to someone else as they look on. Am I willing to look at it to know that, that now that I've had this calm assurance, now I'm going to get to deal with my insurance. And I'm gonna, it's going to make me talk to people on the phone, these customer service people, right? The kind that we all get upset with. Because they can never do anything that we want them to do, right? And, and I will have the opportunity to talk to several people, giving me the opportunity to show loving care to people who just get yelled at all day on those customer service lines. And I can show them Jesus Christ and how I approach them, talk to them, care for them. Am I willing to look at this and see this as, as, as something that will give me a great example to use in a sermon many years down the line. God is good to allow us trials so that we can reach the world for Christ. As all of our trials, with the right perspective, are, are in all reality opportunities. Opportunities to connect with people who have gone through the same trial, who have had the shared hardship. We can speak into their lives because they know we've gone through something similar. Are we willing to see and consider our hardships through the new minds that God has created in us when he gave us his Holy Spirit and opened our eyes to the truth of Jesus Christ? Or are we still allowing ourselves to simply look at our trials through an earthly lens of, of suffering and, and self-focused pity? That, that woe is me that we so often walk into hardships with. As hard as it is to say it because it applies to me all the time. This is what my trials amount to. Either an opportunity to live out my faith or a self-focused pity party. I would like to say that I used that golf ball through the windshield as an opportunity for the gospel. 
was long ago, so I don't remember if I did or not. No, I don't think I did. Paul could endure a significant trial with joy. Not just endure it, but endure it with joy because he saw the persecution, the hardship, as an opportunity for Jesus Christ to share Christ, to give Christ into other people's lives. An opportunity for the gospel message to go forward, to advance, because that was his priority. And we need to ask ourselves, what is the most important thing to me? Pull out that list. What were those three things? Were any of them the the list that Paul would have? The advancement of the gospel. Serving God through the trials to the advancement of the gospel. Looking at our lives through a completely different lens for the advancement of the gospel. Having a new perspective, a new purpose in life. Where does the gospel fall on my list of priorities? Is the advancement on that list? As we've seen in the book of Acts, that's exactly what we're called to, isn't it? We could pull out Matthew 28, 19, couldn't we? Am I willing then, as I see this as a priority in my life, the advancement and service of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, am I then willing to set the example of faith for others to see? that others would see Jesus Christ in me. Paul made it a matter of life and practice to set an example for others to follow. Philippians 3.17, once again, it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Just a matter of life and practice for him. He says it again to the Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, it says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. That's what Paul wanted. He wanted his life to be lived out in a way that other people would see Christ in him, and if they did what Paul did, they would live out Christ as well. And, and in doing this, he, he wanted to perpetuate this. So what does he do? He says to Timothy, encourages Timothy to be an example setter as well. If we look at 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says to him, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. It's a shame we live in a fallen world. And it really is a terrible thing that we have to endure trials. It's not what God wanted for mankind in the first place. When God created the world, he created it and said it is good, right? But we do live in a fallen world, and we do have to face and endure trials. Uh, 
It's a shame, and yet wouldn't it be a greater shame to live this life and to finish it, and when all is said and done, to look back and say, well, I did all I could to stay away from hardships and to have a really nice life. And it was nice. I kept my family, my job, my vacations as my priorities, and they were really nice. I had a nice life. Had little impact for the kingdom of God, but a nice life. I shared Christ a little, but didn't let it get too uncomfortable. It was nice. Wouldn't we all rather be able to say, I set an example for others to follow? Doesn't that feel so much better? Isn't that a better idea? Isn't that the idea we get from Paul here in this letter? I set an example for others to follow in life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel in word and deed at every opportunity I could get a hold of, I have left a legacy. Wouldn't we all like to be able to look back and say, I left a legacy, an example for others to follow. I have mentored the next generation. We here in this room, any of us who are older than somebody else, we set the bar for those after us to reach. Our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our family, our our mentoring relationships, where then are we setting that bar? How high do we want it to be? The bar, according to Paul, is for people to see Christ in him, for people to hear and see the gospel preached in him. Through whatever, whatever, any situation he's in, for them to see Christ in him, to see the gospel advance through him. But Paul isn't here any longer for others to watch, is he? So what did Paul do? Paul said, Timothy... Remember, set the bar. Be an example. So Timothy said it to those after him, I'm sure. And just gets passed on generation to generation. And here we are, the ones who now set the bar for the next generation. Who are we setting it for? Who are you mentoring? Who are you raising up? Who are you encouraging? Who are you building up in the faith? Who can you look at and say, follow me? Follow the example I'm setting for you because my priority is the gospel advancement. Consider this also. Let's consider also what our priorities will be in heaven. Where our citizenship is not just here on earth, is it? But in this very book, Paul says to them, your citizenship is in heaven. Chapter 3, verse 20. He says to them, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Think about this for a second. If my citizenship is in heaven now, shouldn't my priorities be the same now 
as they will be then. The glory of God, the worship of God will be our priority in heaven. Our citizenship right now is right there in heaven. Our priorities are the glory of God. And the glory of God on earth is seen in the gospel advancement, isn't it? These are the things we're called to. Let's adjust our current earthly priorities to reflect what really matters. That we would be able to look back and say, I left a legacy. I set the example. My priorities were straight, and people could see that and know that. And in that, I rejoiced no matter what the trials were. Let's begin to live as Paul, according to God's reality and purposes. And and as we go, let's look at our life situations and ask, do I have the right perspective on this situation, whatever it might be? Am I looking at it through gospel lenses? How can I use this to set that example of faith and faithfulness in Jesus Christ? How can I use this to advance the gospel, that same gospel that has given me eternal life, eternal hope, a love without end in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone? If you need to know Jesus Christ, please speak to me. Speak to Pastor Kevin. Speak to someone in this room today to find out more about who Christ is and what he has done for you. Because the gospel gives us everlasting life. How can I give that to others through whatever trial I might be going through? How can I take this bad situation and really make it all good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the example you've given us in Paul, and that while he is not here any longer, you have given us letters that he wrote in, his, in your word. That we would see that example set, and Lord, we would have these things to study and know by your grace. We'd apply them to our lives and we would grow from your word, from your spirit implanted inside of us, living inside of us. Father, when I think about that, what a wonder. What a grace that you have given us, sealed by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you carry us through the sanctification process, that we would not be stagnant, we would not be still, but we would be moving forward, considering the things of you and your will to be our highest priorities, even as we enter these trials, that that these trials would even be, be falling aside as we see the number one being you, your glory, your gospel advancement, Lord. The trials would take a back seat, become a shadow, because there's better things because of what you have done in our lives in our hearts and in our minds and we praise you lord help us to bear witness as we go forth from this place we pray this in jesus christ's name amen